Welcome to another edition of the Smells Like Hope podcast, the podcast dedicated to shining the light of truth on the disease of addiction. I am your host, Rob Wiles. I'm a 20-year professional wrestling veteran, and I'm also an addict. Joined by special guests, we are going to share with you our stories of recovery, of inspiration, and hope. Because, my friends, no matter how dark the road you're on, there is always hope. Oh, what's up, everybody out there in Internet land? This is your boy, Rob Wiles, coming back at you. Sorry I've been gone so long. I had some personal issues I had to deal with. And because on this program we pull no punches, I'm going to tell you. Uh, my mother had to undergo a heart procedure, so, you know, I had to weigh out priorities, and at, for the past few weeks, the priority's been taking care of her. But also, you guys know that on this podcast, I don't record episodes just for the sake of gathering content and, and just having something out there just for the point of having it out there. Fuck that. Let the other guys do that. I'm going to bring to you the Smells Like Hope podcast, when I find something relevant that might help you. And that's what we're doing here today, set up in my brand new studio digs. I hope there's not too much of an echo, and if there is, fuck it, this is free, right? <laughs> so, I have an awesome guest today, and a quick spoiler alert, he spent four years, four years in a German prison, and he wanted to hang on to some anonymity uh, tonight. Yeah, I can say the word. So tonight, for the sake of the program and his anonymity, we're going to call him Colonel Hogan. And he's with us now. Everybody, Colonel Hogan! Thank you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What's up, brother? How's it going? Oh, God. Don't get me started. I've been doing... (laughs) I've been renovating my house for the past, you know, so-and-so long so I can get the hell out of the land of eternal cold pittsburgh and get out to the land of no snow tampa florida i can't wait <laughs> well all i can say is down here in tampa area where i stay it is nothing but 65 degree weather right now and the beaches are full of all the beautifulest women you can imagine well i'll tell you this for the sake of today i hate you and uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm insanely jealous but don't worry i'll be there soon so, um, our guest from the last podcast, Jessica, actually put me on with you. She told me a bit of your story that we talked last night, and I was just blown away. Like, I thought I had a rough story, but boy, you got a rough story. Yeah, I mean, it just it's not that people have a rough, or somebody else have a, a everyone has their rough story. They all have their rock bottom story right their personal rock bottom and sometimes some you're right some can some stories can amaze people and think like wow i had a rock bottom that guy or that girl over there holy shit i thought i i don't know if i'm allowed to release my native tongue but i curse a lot but Hey, you fuck know. it, fuck it, we're addicts, we all curse a lot. But real quick, just to set the pace, just so you know, we have three rules on Smells What's Like that? Hope. 
One of them is we don't discuss politics. The other one, we don't discuss religion. And the third one is don't pull any punches. Thanks, Homer. <laughs> I gotta love Homer. I don't be too. Uh-huh. I, I'm such a geek for my sound effects. I do uh, my other program is wrestle shooting. Man, I go crazy with my favorite one I use on there is when me and my co-host kind of hit a little bit of a rough patch. I hit this one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord! So let's 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 jump right into it. Uh, what kind of clean time you got right now? Right now, I'm pushing three. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been hard. It's you know, it's uh, it's t- t- honestly in the last three years. Right prior to the last three years, I ended up having somehow gotten a infection on my spinal cord that was killing me so they had to rush me into emergency emergency surgery crack open my spinal or my vertebrae and scrape uh this this bacteria that was killing me off my actual spinal cord and fuse my neck together for me to live the hideousness of that story will haunt my dreams for the next month. Dude, the hideousness of the scar it left would haunt you for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, I don't know, brother. I spent 20 years in pro wrestling. I've seen some pretty grisly shit. Yeah, but it's just like you to, to think that this, you know, I've seen some scars. You know, I've met the Hogan's, the actual Terry and all them because, you know, they, I'm from that air, this sure. area. You just run into those guys at the movies out there. Yeah, well, not not anymore. Not since, you know, all the shit with Nick and, you know. But back in the day before Brooke became all, all stylish. Brook, all, all Brookish. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to meet Linda. I got to meet Terry. I got, you know, we, I, I was a DJ here locally and I met them at our nightclub. So it's like you know, it was the coolest thing ever. I'm nice. like a 17 year old kid meeting superstars. <laughs> hey, I met the Hulk. I was so happy. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and yeah. you know, Terry's a just a, a cool cat, man. I mean, a lot of people would go online and be like, "Oh, Hulk Hogan wouldn't sign my autograph." Well, you know what? Hulk Hogan's just a dude, man. You never know what kind of day he's having. But for the most part, Terry's a cool yeah. cat. Exactly. You cannot expect somebody to always be on. Exactly. Yeah. They have to have off time. So you know, anyway, I'm, this is this is not wrestle shoot. This is smells well, like yeah, let's, <laughs> let's go with that. So I, 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 I you know, you talk you talked about wrestling and I forgot. You know, I've Oh, don't get that. don't don't feel bad, man. When I get out there we'll sit down, we'll talk about wrestling all night. That's my jam. <laughs> Rock on. Let's talk about the good stuff then. Yes, sir. So All right. three years. So, and you told me yesterday you told me yesterday that you were struggling a bit with, you know, getting clean and staying clean by following the steps in the big book. So how did you do it? Well, let's see. I actually I, I did a couple of the basics that they said, you know, change people, change places and change things. Right. Well, and I did. Well, what ha- what happened was is I ended up having, um, a, 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 I got a MRSA infection that went from my knee 
to my back, to my to my neck, and to my shoulders. Well, when they did the MRI, they said, "Oh, your heart's inflamed." Blah 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 blah. You have endocarditis. They took my heart out and did, you know replaced the valve, put my heart back in, and said, "You know, if you continue to live this life, you're, you're dead." Done. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. And they said, you know, what we're going to do is only going to be able to fix you for maybe five to ten years. You, if you don't prove to us in that five or ten years, we're not going to put you, put a, a, a mechanical heart in for you. They're basically saying they're just going to let me die. So I had to take that option or take that 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 information that they told me. And just say, you know, yeah, I've done all these stupid things, been to prison, done all this shit. And now, like, if I continue to do this, Chris ain't going to be, and Hogan's not going to be here. Colonel Hogan, damn it. (laughs) Colonel Hogan's not going to be here much longer. So it's like, I had to, I had to, to smarten up finally because, you know, I've had rock bottom. I've been to treatments a hundred times, over a hundred times. I've tried those steps. I've tried everything. And it's just certain things work for certain people. And, you know, I've heard good stories, but I've also heard stories that that just made me want to go out and be stupid again. And people, you know, you got, like they say, find a home group, do 90 and 90. Well, you know, that that is good and all, and it, it, it will help a lot of people, but there are just those people that need a different way. I mean, they have to, they have to try to find their, their meaning, their meaningful way to stay clean. You know, I was told I was going to die, so that kind of, you know, <laughs> said, hey, you know, do I really want to die? Hey, you know, what's, what's funny about that, well, ironic, let's say, not funny, but when you're using people in your <laughs> life all around you are telling you, dude, you're going to die, you're going to die, and you're taking that information in, and you believe it, but you're like, yeah, but that's not going to be for, you know, a long time, and I, I, I got mm-hmm. control of this, but when a doctor says, like, yeah, literally, we're not going to fix your heart and you actually are going to die. Like that's a different kind of dude. You're going to die. Yeah, that is. And that's, that's unfortunately a lot of people don't get that. They don't get that chance and they end up, you know, I just heard, unfortunately I've in the last two days, I've heard of a couple of good friends of mine, you know, they, they, they're six feet under now too. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm uh, since this pandemic started, I don't know if I told you this or not. I'm coming to the end of of a stint with drug court. I got two months left, but since oh, this, thank you. But since this pandemic started, they've had to kind of put the kibosh on people going to court, and POs were no longer allowed into your house to drug test you. Just all these limitations were put in. All these people that I pled into drug court with, so many of them are on the wrong side of the lawn now. Because they say, oh, well, you know, I'm, they're not going to check on me for a few months. So 
I might as well get high. They give themselves permission. They act like the court gave them permission to get high. And then they try to party like they used to, like they still have that same tolerance and, and bam, Boom. that's their last time. Exactly. It sucks. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. Like, and what, what really happens and I'm going to name names. I'm going to, well, not name names, but it's who's uh, it. All right. Forget the, the, the politics. Yeah. It ain't politics. It's just, the fact that the doctors just wanted money. And that's how it all started. A car, a stupid freaking car accident so many years ago led to all of this. Because you go in there, and what do you think? A doctor takes that stupid Hippocratic oath, and you, and you think that a doctor's there to help you. Well... First thing he gave me was three hundred pills. Yeah, well, that's how they did it back then. They throw pills exactly. at you, and then they got and hammered down on by the law, saying, "Hey, you can't keep doing this." So then, all of a sudden, they go, "Sorry, no more pills." I know, oh, I, wow. I know, I got you hooked, but now, fuck you. Exactly, and then that's what happened. That's when you know the everything you know went wrong and got caught doing stupid things. In stupid places, and just <laughs> you know, ended up in, in. Well, let's talk. <sighs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, kind of a timeline of that. You know how you ended up there. All right, let's go for it. After you, brother. All right. Well, let's say uh, back, back, back in the yeah, I've, it's been so long now. I'm probably going. Hey, going on 20, 20 years now, roughly, I was 14 and I had some really traumatic issues. You know, I lost, I lost my girlfriend in a car accident and she died in my arms. So, you know, that's kind of hard for a kid to deal with. So, you know, I started drinking and just smoking weed. Just, just, just being a little, you know, rebellious kid and not giving a fuck about nothing. And, try, and, and trying to forget. Exactly. That's the whole reason I kept using was to forget the issues that I've had to deal with. The pain that I've had to go through. And so I just, you know, started pounding down whatever I could. And then, of course, you know, I, I'm going through high school and we start getting, you know, LSD and, you know, mescaline and I'm loving that because, you know. Man, I remember those days. Jesus. That was yeah. like a long time ago, mescaline. That's old school. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, my, it, and we were getting them in high school. So it was like I was having 18 hours of just no thought, no, no remembrance, which I loved. But then, of course, um, being in the field of entertainment like I was, I ended up, you know, becoming someone uh, or somewhat of a, uh, a celebrity, not, not, not some superstar, just uh, say like a C, C, C style celebrity. A, a, a local celeb. 
Yeah, and so I well, not not really. Well, okay, we'll we'll start we'll start with the local celebrity, All right. and that took me places. Well, eventually I started getting bigger and bigger, and well, when you're doing these events and you're you're going to these parties, you know the the host or the 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 person that's actually throwing the event, you know, of course. They, they throw you the halves of your baby for, and then when you get there, you, you show up, you get the other half. Well, usually they give you your other half, and then they also give you an ounce of cocaine. Yeah, an ounce a, of a little bonus. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that's, and you're thinking that's just fine. That's just dandy. Let's just go about it. Well, you know, after all that, you're doing that every freaking weekend, and you're having stuff that lasts you all week. And you're like, okay, this is cool. I can still work a normal job. I was very, very ambitious. I still had a normal forty-hour week, forty-hour week job. I was a sales manager. You know, I was making buku bucks, and then, you know, I just like. I got into that serious car accident. And when I got into that car accident, I was like, oh, well, okay, well, you know, I, the doctor was, because I, I did have a lot of stuff in my system that wasn't like, but I wasn't actually, it wasn't like, it wasn't a DUI, but they still ran my blood and saw the types of intoxicants I had. So, you know, of course, they had to bring me down off of all of those, and that was my first time ever experiencing withdrawal, and my God, that was hell. And then... You were doing that in jail, withdrawing? No, I was in the hospital. Oh, okay. And that was that was the bad part there. Now, once after that happened, the I went... I took my x-rays and all that, and I started with the doctors. And, you know, I ended up seeing 27 doctors a month through t through Tampa, Florida. And I'll tell you now, basic, basic write-off was 240 pills of those oxys from each doctor. Oh, plus, plus a bunch of other stuff. You know, Xanax, Soma... The lauded, and some even gave me oxy oxycontin, and then also methadone. So I was getting that from twenty seven different doctors every month. So like, when I was I was having all that, all, all that you know, I don't even know how to say it that because it basically is money. Sure. Pills. Yeah, having all that extra money made me become such an arrogant asshole. Like I was, I was, you know, I was big. I was making myself. I was making people do stuff and just have being stupid and being immature and just letting that letting that go. And now that I remember everything that I have done, I felt I even feel even more like an asshole. But it doesn't matter because, you know, that was that. that was but, then. like I said, those doctors were giving you everything. And, you know, 
I was still doing my entertainment business. So what happened, you know, I went overseas to do a show. And, you know, we did the show. Overseas to where? We went to Amsterdam. Okay. So, you know, we went to Amsterdam. We were having having fun at a festival. And then we heard there was another one up in Germany. And I actually had another friend that lived in Germany. And I decided to hit him up. And and he's like, yeah, come on through. And, you know, we will. We ended up coming through. Well, you know, we got we got off, we got off the train, and you know, unbeknownst to me, there were canine dogs, you know, sniffing, sniffing luggage. Well, I'm like, all right, well, you know, uh, so these, these dogs were sniffing everybody's luggage, or was it random? Yeah, everyone, everyone that was disembarking okay. through the train. Was you know because dogs can smell anything like, like a thousand feet away or whatever they say. Yeah. So I'm well, I'm walking. I got you know I got my overnight backpack on. I got my record case and that's on wheels. And I'm dragging, and all of a sudden you know I hear a bark. I'm like I'm I'm just already nervous as fuck because I I, I know what I have. Which uh, was and, what. It was a pound, a pound of heroin, and it, and as soon as you know, I heard the I heard the words from the 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 police, you know, to stop and and, and turn around. And the man in the yellow jacket. I was like, oh shit! So I stopped. I turned around. I said, I spoke. I spoke to him and. And we spoke, and I asked what the issue was, and he said, my dog has alerted upon your belongings. And he picked out the bat, he pointed the dog, sniffed the kid, the record case, and so I had to be taken into the, uh, I don't, I don't know what you would call it. Who's cow? It. <laughs> No, it was it wasn't even like a, um, like a, like a. Oh, you were in a, you were you were taken to a holding center. Not even that. It was just yeah. It was just like an area with a table in it, and that's it. And they they pull out, they 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 empty out all my other suitcases first, and they see they look they find nothing. Well. They finally go to the records, which the dog alerted on first. And they look, they, at first, they didn't think anything was wrong. But, you know, they said, can we go ahead and empty this out? I said, sure, go ahead. I, I, well, they pulled out all the records, and there was actual compartment under where the records sat for, you know, extra styluses for needle, for, uh, DJ needles and stuff, not for heroin, you know, not for heroin, but for music. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just big enough to hide about what I would need personally because I was feeling pain. And they, uh, they said, "Wow, what's this?" 
I said nothing. <laughs> it's her, uh, it's like, heroin, asshole. Fuck. <laughs> I was trying to play it off, of and, they, and of course, it you know I finally had to cop to it because the you know everything that has came back and all that, and the lawyers you know were fighting, and I said you know okay, fine, I'll take it, I'll take your time, you know because I did it, but I'm not gonna take it as a trafficking charge or an intent to distribute charge because it was only for fucking personal use. You know, I was across these. I didn't have, couldn't call my doctors and say, hey, I need you to, you know, FedEx me some Rockies because that shit ain't going to happen. Yeah. So I needed something. I got something in, in, a, in a city along the way. And, well... Because I got it, I you know I enjoyed it a little on the on the train, and it was great. But and then when they found it, because it, it was such a hefty load, of course you know they thinking, oh this guy's no try, you know he's 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 trafficking, you know he's fucking he's smuggling all his drugs. So you know I had to go to prison. Unfortunately, and this and is I was in Germany, a German prison. This is, it ended up being in East Hamburg, Germany, and I was just like, it used to be called. <laughs> I can't. I I even tried to look it up to get the, the exact rating of the name, but I really couldn't because it's actually been closed now. They closed it down. To 2016. This happened in in what 2008, 2007. But they call it they called it Bill Warder. It was actually Justin Bull Zangenzalt. That was the actual name of it. And my God, dude, it you think like Sarasota County or Bob Barker Company that supplies all the the bedding and shoes and and shit here yeah. in the state. It's bad. No, you get a sheet. You get a mat that's got God knows what blood on it because of the stabbings. And I, I, and you know the and the years spent in there, I was stabbed three times. I went, you know, I had to do my, I had to do extra time for you know my roles and some alleged things that happened. Oh, it's all over now. You don't have to say alleged. Oh yeah, well, yeah, some 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 retaliation, right? You know, and it's just it 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 was such a journey that like I never thought I could do it. I never, and you know, after after finally getting out. I, I come home and, you know, I still have family and they're, they're all, you know, here for me and everything. And the first thing I fucking do, I go out looking for drugs. Like it, it didn't, it didn't stop. Being in prison, getting stabbed, didn't eat, wasn't even a fucking rock bottom. I, I had to fucking detox in there. 
Well, the I'm shitty good. thing about a rock bottom is there's always a sub bottom. There's always a next bottom. They never tell you that. Yeah. They never tell you that in recovery. They always say you're going to hit rock bottom. And that's it. They never say there's there's something lower or there could be something lower. They, I mean, they, my, I'll tell you my second time in front of the judge for the possession with intent conviction I took. She still gave me a love shot, said, you're going to go on probation for, you know, a year, but you're also going to go to rehab. So she sent me to rehab and I was pissed because I didn't want to be there. But, you know, that goes right back to speaking on the sickness because I wasn't out of rehab for two days before I had an ounce of Coke in my pocket. Right. Yeah. The same thing happened to me after all that. I cast, you know, once I, once I got home. And, you know, did my bid. I I got back into the doctors again. And I was seeing, you know, f I started seeing five doctors. I figured, you know, okay, let's bring it down a little. Let's not go crazy like I did. And, well, I started seeing five doctors. Well, okay. That's not so bad. Well, this is, this is when that stupid... Um, e-force they call it e-force where you know you can see what a person has filled recently within the last year okay this is a system they were building in florida because they were realizing florida was the epicenter of the pill the pill issue because we had a pill mill on almost every corner where you could go <laughs> to the doctor pay two hundred dollars Fill your fill your prescription there, and be out of there within an hour. So what they they started realizing that Florida, because you, I'm serious. You go you go to this doctor, you go to one of my doctors. You would see a plate, uh, um, a car, the parking, the the, the license plate from Kentucky, Virginia. Huh. And, I mean every. Wow. Uh, Every fucking other state. So, and of course, DEA is watching every one of these fucking places because they know illegal shit's happening, but they can't prove anything yet. So they figured they'd start e-force, which means that every time you fill a prescription, a, a doctor will it'll it'll show a red flag if if say you weren't filling if say you say. Say you right now went out to get a prescription of something stupid, all right, Percocet five, and twenty and say twenty seven days later you went to another doctor and got oh, the okay. same prescription, you would get red flagged and arrested for doctor shopping. Huh. That was the whole thing, is because by law, but they changed law that. You cannot fill another prescription, or I mean the same type of prescription from another doctor within a 28-day period without becoming a, without it becoming a Class C felony. Wow. And that, have, that computer system that they were working on became active August, October of 2011. Well, I've I figured I, I was going to stop, so I stopped. I stopped going to doctors in September, but the whole issue was those pharmacists 
had to put in all the records from January 2011. So even though I had stopped and I wasn't going, they still had those records of... So you had already committed a felony before you even knew that you did. Exactly. Right. Okay. And so, of course, on on the news, Kingpin, blah, blah, blah. So I go in front of a judge, which actually was when you were, since you were talking about drug court, they, you know, how they started down here. I was in front of Judge Owens, and he's the greatest judge alive. The state's attorney. That's, that's what I say about Judge Nahas out here in Allegheny. Just the best judge out there, the most compassionate I've ever known. So he said, you know, he decided to give me drug court while the state was trying to, you know, get me for um, trafficking because I was technically, I obtained 10,950 pills within the, t- the period of time that they were you did, know did you say 10,000 10, 10 uh, yeah not 10,950 oh, pills wow, <laughs> you were you were just running around collecting yeah I was I was balling yeah. I was balling so I did that and now I was looking at 25 years they were saying five because by law, for every charge they they wanted to give me was that. Well, originally it was going to be more. It was going to be fifteen charges. They originally arrested me for fifteen charges of obtaining a prescription by fraud, because that's what it is. Because when you sign a piece of paper saying that you will only see this doctor, if you violate that and see another doctor, that's that's fraud. fraud. Yep, fraud. So they tried, since the state was trying to get me for trafficking, they wanted to charge me for every prescription that the doctor wrote. So three of them getting three scripts from each doctor, that's 15 prescriptions they wanted. So 15 times five was an ungodly, was the judge laughed. He said, and then. They tried to say, the state attorney said that, oh, we've never seen a man ever take more than 60 pills a day. He wasn't using them for personal use. He was selling them. That's why we want to do trafficking. Well, Judge Owen stood up and said, you know what? I've seen my own son take 65 pills in one day. So to say that this person here can't and is not able to take this many pills is a lie. And he's he's accepted the drug court, and that was that to begin with. And of course, the state hated that, but I was given that chance. I was given the same chance you were. And unfortunately, I thought, you know, okay, I'm on drug court, but I actually seriously am injured, so I need to be on pain medicine. That was the first time that they had to deal with somebody like me. They didn't know how to deal with it. Well, I ended up getting hurt again and tearing my uh, rotator cuff. When I, you're wrestling, you I know you know that. That's I'm like dealing bit. with a torn rotator right now. So i i had to I had to be on something. 
and they didn't want me to be on nothing, but you know, they expected me to do all this work and, and be perfectly fine. So that didn't work out. I ended up, so the judge put me on probation. Well, I, I was like, ah, let me have some fun. Cause like you said, Oh, people were having fun on probation because probations weren't, you know, doing shit. They weren't checking in. And while finally that came to bite me in the ass and mm. I got caught, I ended up doing two eleven twenty nines back to back in county jail. So just so people out there listening, that means uh, 11 to 29 months. 11, 11 months, 29 days. Oh, okay. So, because if you do a year, if you if you do a year and a day, that's prison. If you do eleven twenty nine, yeah, right, that's right. And now with game time and school time, it ended up being fifteen months. So I did fifteen months county county first, time. That's hard time, <laughs> which is worse than oh god, worse than prison because at least in prison you were able to you know do better things that you could. Yeah, what? get a radio, get a job, go outside. The jail out here in Allegheny County, they have no yard. Yep. Our yard was the fucking roof with a um a fence over it and we were a six stories up, five stories up. So that way, you know, no one could try to escape unless they were, you know, had, had the arm of, you know, uh, uh of college baseball player to be able to throw anything up there and end it was caged so you know we were like rats just walking around this cage once a month like we didn't get we didn't get yard time like you would right. in prison right and that like i said that 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 was it was so much harder to do county time than be in prison I, at least prison you know you 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 get a nice routine in jail, they, they they transfer you or left and right just to, you know, keep people from, you know, getting in clicks and trying to start, you know, shops and... Right. And, and it's just, it, it was just a living hell. And I, you know, I, I say, what the hell do they care if somebody's starting a shop? It's their money to leave them be. Exactly. If I want to and sell they, my soup to you, then let me sell my damn soup. Don't worry about it. Exactly. If I want to make a brick, let me make my brick. With the, <laughs> with the county, with the county, you know, they get they want their dollar fifty a day from their from the inmate plus the five hundred a day they get from the government, yeah. and it's like it, it's just hell. So I went through that for fifteen months and finally got out, and then even after getting out of that. I did another four years I was going. I was, I started, I started, you know, realizing after that, you know, that maybe I want to live. Maybe, you know, I was, I, 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 I tried. I admitted it. I got so tired of it. Well, just, I, just I, to catch up so far, you're looking at about five and a half years that you've spent doing time in different places. Yes. Okay. And I still chose after all that, to do i mean there was stuff when i was younger but i don't i won't talk about that that you can add to if you want but that's two years of stuff that happened i won't talk about okay but yeah so 
put you could put five if you want, but technically it was closer to seven. But I did all that, and I still, and you by the time you hit this seven year of 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 how much time you've done, how old were you? I was uh, I was what thirty thirty two. Okay. So uh, after all the times that I had spent in and spent out, I still wanted to, and uh, and. So, so far you spent about, what, 20% of your life behind bars? Yep. Okay. And I come out and I'm still wanting to use. That's the disease. And so, and I start, you know, continuing to use and then I start getting that, that, that little, there, there, I don't know, a lot, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will, will tell you this. That they they think that they're, they'd be better off not around, and I thought the same thing. I tried a few times to to take that shot to make that shot my last. And well, I'll tell you on that point. Uh, I mean, yeah, I know that that exists when you're in heavy use, serious addiction mode. Yeah, you think that if I overdose, then people would be better off, but I have found that happens a lot more to people in early sobriety because they feel like they've done so much damage to everybody who cares about them and nobody will ever forgive them. And, and I'm never going to get out of this hole. And that's what scares me the most are those people because they don't even have their escape anymore. They're trying to get away from that. And they're convinced that, Oh, you know, nobody's going to miss me when I'm gone. I have lots of one-on-one conversations with people about that. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, well, no, I, it's, it's not true. It's just how they feel, but it's not true. Uh, I felt the same way though. Right. Like my first year of sobriety, I felt my I felt that way. I was like, "Well, things are supposed to be different. They're not different. What's the what's the fucking point?" You know, it was hard to get through that first year. Because I, I was like, why am I still trying to stay sober when nothing's changing? What, and that's what they're, that's what a lot of people are going through. And I, you know, I, I lost my best friend and his brother because, you know, they were, they were so tired of going through the same cycle okay, they're going to get high for a while, then they're going to do that to box and bullshit, and then, you know, stay clean for a couple months, then go back on, and then it, it just kept going around and around. And finally, you know, it one passed, and the other said, you know what, I can't live without my brother. Two days later, he purposely overdosed, so he could be up in heaven with his brother. So it's like people... A lot of people have these issues that aren't just drug related; they're mental related. They're mentally related that they need I, the well, help. Of course, that's why every rehab center out there does the dual diagnosis. Yeah, they try. Well, a well, lot yeah, they the try. Ones, a lot, the ones around here, unfortunately, you know, don't care about that because now. The states are get just giving them money to fill the beds, and as long as the beds are full, they're getting paid. They don't. Oh yeah, they'll go through their spiel and stuff, but they don't care. It's just a freaking revolving door to them. 
because every time you come back, they're still going to get their $500 a day. Well, that's unfortunately true, but you can't, you can't put that stigma for all rehab centers. Well, I, yeah, I know. I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying the ones around here. Because I, I went to two in Pennsylvania. The court sent me to one called Greenbrier, which I felt very sad. I didn't want to be there in the first place, which is why I didn't get anything out of it. But looking back on it now, I can see how Greenbrier was a revolving door. When I decided that I was going to take care of myself and get clean, I went to Gateway. Right. They truly cared there. And that's I got out of there, and it stuck. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying all rehabs are bad. There's there's a lot of nice ones. It's just the ones around here, they 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 aren't. It it's it's it sucks, and that's you know the 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 bad part because they they want oh there's only like one the one place that's local here. Their 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 only option to send men is to this horse camp out in uh what I don't know if it's Wiki Watchers or Watula or some 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 country type of horse farm for 16 months Ooh. or 18 months a labor then, camp yeah pretty yeah. much and then the women down they'll send the women down south that's it they're that's like in this area that's what we have and that's not like that's not good enough that's not going to save anybody's a lot of what it might save one out of 20. Okay, but realistically, realistically though, one out of 20, that one is the one who wanted to get clean. The other 19 yeah. are there because of legals or their their wife made them go or, or their job or there's something, there's some kind of a consequence when that one right. went willingly because they want to get clean. And, and, that, those, and those numbers are fucking abysmal, man. We got to work. Yeah. We got to figure out how to change how many people want to get help. Because I'm pretty sure seeing everyone seeing I, me myself. I've been now to, or I'm going to be now going to my 57th wake. I've I've basically buried 57 friends ah, due to rough. fucking this disease and that's that's horrible yeah it's horrible and to think that you know why am i the lucky one why am i because i i feel you know like it, to me it feels like why am i the one that's getting to stay alive why am i here? you were offered the correct motivation and you had the true desire and that's the kicker when I when I went to Gateway, mm-hmm. most of the people I knew in there are gone now because they went because the courts made them or or whatever the reason, some kind of a legal dodge. Almost all of them are gone now, and I say, why am I spared? Because I wanted it. That's why. Right. I just I I've tried so hard to help so many people, like so many others it got to the point that, you know, like you would try and try and try and 
you could just easily tell who wanted it and who didn't. And you're at, you get to that point that, okay, I'll, I'll help you. I'll, 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 you know, I don't have the best ways, like the book and, you know, the 12 steps, like everyone else tells you to do. But I'll, I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you exactly what happened, how I survived. And it might work for you. But, you know, to, to, most people don't even want to hear it. They don't care. They're like, oh, you're just another junkie. Die. You know, yeah. you just got lucky. You know, that's, that's the kicker. Those people, those people, at least you try. You know, you reach out, exactly. you reach out a hand. If they slap it away, you reach out your hand to the guy next to him. If he slaps yep. it away, the guy next to him might grab your hand and say, help me. And that's the guy that you want to really focus on. And I'm not yeah, trying to yeah. say those guys who slap your hand away aren't worth focusing on, but they're just not there yet. Yeah, they're not ready to finally say, Enough. This I can't do. And it's and like I said, the doctor, the doc, when the doctors are telling me I'm dead if I don't stop, like, and that, that's scary. When, yeah, that's, when, that's that Oprah Winfrey aha moment. Yeah. You know, and not, I, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people have had that endocarditis shit and they've had the surgery, but. They haven't had the type of surgery that I had, the actual replacement of the valve. They've just had the infection of the, the sac around the heart, which they had to have, you know, just six weeks or, or so of antibiotics. I was in that hospital four months. I had to, I had to get stuck three times a day for blood Ugh. to check my blood. And, you know, they, 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 they killed my kidneys. Like, my kidneys went, basically, they were, oh, they, they, oh, it was awful. Like, all the medicines they were giving me to try to get rid of the staff was killing my kidneys. So I ended up, you know, basically in ICU with 10, I, through the whole thing, I ended up 10 units of blood. Get through the surgery and the, the the internal hemorrhaging from the biopsies they did on me, on my kidneys and all that. So they had to put 10 units of blood, two bags of platelets in my body before, uh, before they could get the surgery all done. Like, that's how fucked up my body was. My body was telling them that we don't want you. We, we this body doesn't want you to fucking do this surgery. But I'm sitting there doing everything the doctor said. You know, I'm like I'm doing it, and the doctor sees me. The doctor knows that I have all these chronic issues, so I do. You know, at the time I had to have some pain medicine. I actually came from a facility, and. They just caught me with 105 fever and took me to the emergency room. And that's what, that's what brought all that on. So I, like I said, I spent four months in that hospital. And finally, when, you know, the, the heart surgeon comes in and tells you, Hey, 
if you continue this shit, I'm one and not going to fix you. So you can go ahead. Because there's no point. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't going to fix me. Wasn't going to give me any antibiotics. He was just going to let me go. Which meant I would have been dead in a month. He said, oh, that, that's, that's what he said. He said, you can either die in a month or let me listen to me, do what I say, and work with me, and we can have this. You can survive. And sometimes that's what you need. And, you know, I feel like we can go for another hour on this, but like I say, like I say all the time, podcast listeners only have so much attention span. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But we're going to definitely have to get you back on here after a while and continue on this story. But I want to, uh, I want to just really point out to everybody who's listening, like the story that you just listened to is the definition of overcoming adversity. I mean, this is, this is rags to riches in a sense. So if you guys are listening and you think, I can't do it, I'm not worth it, I don't matter, I want you to, to replay in your head what you've heard today and think of this monster of a story, this, this epic overcoming of diversity. And don't say you can't do it because I'm not going to say it. You guys know that I never, ever say for me, and I never let anybody on my podcast say, well, you know, if I can do it, then you can do it, because fuck that. We are not going to take away from our accomplishments. We did it. What I am saying is, if you think that you're alone, think again, Jack, because right now, there are two people who have never met you who want to help you. That's why we're here and doing this today. We're not making money for this. We're doing this for you. So I I know I say this every week, guys, but if nobody has told you today, I love you. You are worth it. You can do it. There are people who want to help you. Colonel Hogan, brother, it's been an awesome time with you. We're going to appreciate it. We're going to have to do it again. Yes, we will. You have a good one, sir. And we will definitely be talking again soon. All right. Off gate. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next podcast of Smells Like Hope. Take care of yourself and take care of each other.